Welcome to BFR Radio, a podcast dedicated to all things blood flow restriction training. This podcast is proudly sponsored by the BFR.co, where if you want to buy your own BFR cuffs, access online BFR training programs, increase your own BFR knowledge with the accredited BFR.co course, or you want more information about this type of training, this is your one place to go. And I'm your host, Dr. Chris Gavilio. everyone and welcome back to BFR Radio. Thanks for your patience in between episodes. If you've been following me on Instagram, you would have seen that I've been overseas traveling in the UK and also in the US. And in particular, I coach track and field athlete and decathlete Cedric Dubler, who firstly, we went to the US and we competed at world champs where he finished eighth, one of his best finishes as a senior in the decathlon. And then 10 days later, we went and competed at the Commonwealth Games in the UK. And he finished third there, which was an incredible effort considering it was only 10 days in between. So firstly, just to do one decathlon is pretty tough and to do two is pretty amazing. And before I went overseas, the goal was to actually get some interviews on the podcast. And I got Jackie Narricott, who got silver at the last Winter Olympic Games. And I thought I'd have plenty of time to get lots of interviews whilst I was overseas. However, I was pretty busy either coaching Cedric or working on other content. I'm also doing some lecturing at the moment at a university and been working on some content for that course. Therefore, didn't get the interviews done and it's been a little bit longer than I'd hoped to in between episodes. Hopefully you haven't missed me too much. Before I do get into the episode, a few little things about the BFR, just a bit of an update, is that if you haven't seen my new website and my relaunch, it's thebfr.co, and I'm almost about to renew all my stock of my BFR cuffs, and I'll have all the new logos on all the cuffs, and I'm pretty excited about that. If you're looking for some BFR training options, whether it's general strength training or rehab, and whether that's at home or in the gym, if you do have a look at my website at the BFR.co, I've got lots of small four-week programs. This is a great way to get into training, whether it is BFR or just training in general. And in particular, a lot of the rehab programs that I've got, I call them accelerated rehab programs. Why are they accelerated? Well, I've just found that the addition of BFR has improved the recovery times from people who are injured much more than just traditional exercise. And if you actually do have a look at the exercise selection, there's probably nothing magical about what I've put in the program in terms of exercise selection, but rather it's the addition of the BFR and the sets and the reps accordingly. Also with the website is the education component as well. And I'm still working on recording my education course. If you are waiting for it, I do apologize. It is coming. It's just so much going on with going overseas, coming home, and just getting back into normality and spending some time with my family. That's taking a little bit of time. I do thank you for your patience. It is on the to-do list, and I'm pretty keen to get that up and running for everyone to start doing some education. If you do live in Australia, or more so Brisbane or Queensland, and you want to do an in-person workshop, let me know through my website. In the meantime, whilst I do get some more guests lined up for the podcast, I'm going to go through a paper 
And in particular, this is a really good paper, in my opinion, and it's called Blood Flow Restriction Rehabilitation for Extremity Weakness, a Case Series. It's by Christina Halden. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And it comes out of Journal of Special Operations Management 2015. And one of the other authors on this paper is Johnny Owens, and he's quite prolific in the world of BFR as well. So shout out to him. The thing I love about this paper is they're all small case series and they're quite extreme case series in particular, which at the end of the day, when we do look at research and we look at academic research, they look for big subject numbers and we're trying to extrapolate information from that. And with all type of training and in particular BFR, I talk about responders and non-responders. I think this really showcases it brilliantly. Uh, the introduction discusses the general concepts of a traditional rehab program. And when we look towards rehabbing from an injury, whether it's sports or job related, it's really important to focus on improving and regaining previous levels of muscular strength and endurance. But also it's important to include the requirement to restore a normal or a better joint range of motion. When a lot of people do get injured, they'll find that they have a decreased range of movement in that joint. Take my knee, for example, a couple of operations, I have better range of movement than what I did previously, but it's still not as good as the other side. Therefore, it's important to take these things into consideration when putting a rehab program together. Now, with respect to when someone is injured and you're performing a rehab program, it's important to consider the strength and the hypertrophy of the muscles. And in particular, just from a more practical standpoint of being able to withstand long periods of physical activity to improve components such as proprioception, independence in daily living activities, and also the ability to improve muscle strength according to the requirement to get back to sports and also just job specific skills as well and that's an important consideration when anyone is injured is that sport is obviously the ultimate achievement but really at the end of the day we want good normal daily living function be able to play with our kids go for a bike ride do some social sport and also be able to perform our jobs to a satisfactory standard and when we look towards creating optimal improvements in muscular strength and hypertrophy, the recommended muscular loads for a given resistance exercise ranges from 60 to 100% of one repetition maximum. And when I talk about the benefits of BFR, we talk about metabolic stress, whereas conversely, high load lifting talks about mechanical stress. And as we can appreciate, when people do have injuries, they may have issues with joints, pain, post-traumatic osteoarthritis, neurological deficits, and also post-surgical restrictions. And these issues related to an injury or post-surgical issues related from the injury means that most patients can't handle high levels of mechanical stress. Or in other words, they can't put enough load or external load when they're lifting in the gym to get enough muscle strength and hypertrophy back into that limb. 
And this is where BFR comes into its own because it's the increase in metabolic stress that has the similar responses to those high mechanical stresses. And I've spoken about that a lot in previous podcasts. Another persistent problem in chronic injuries, especially in the extremities, is regaining required strength and endurance of atrophied or traumatized musculature. And this is demonstrated repeatedly in the literature where even relatively simple lower extremity fractures can leave patients with strength deficits years after their injuries. Therefore, the ability to regain muscle hypertrophy, but also muscle strength is of real importance. When we look at the rehabilitation process, that initial step, we're looking at improving neuromuscular recruitment. But once this is achieved, further gains must be made with muscle hypertrophy as muscle regeneration is limited. And trauma-induced musculoskeletal injuries associated with several factors that limit rehabilitation. A common factor is the frequent post-operative restriction on strengthening following fixation of fractures or reconstruction of soft tissue injuries. Another is volumetric muscle loss, or in other words, you have a decrease in muscle tissue. This is where BFR comes into its own. The ability to train at much lower loads with the potential to increase muscle hypertrophy, but also muscular strength is of great importance. And in other podcasts, I've alluded to the ability to decrease pain in joint and tendons, which I think is, once again, is an really an untapped area of BFR use. And also in other podcasts and papers, there is an ability to increase markers of bone reformation. So for people who have fractures, this may potentially be a very valuable tool to improve healing of fractures. And in certain populations, this could be a really good preventative tool for issues that may present itself now, that as a bit of a background, this paper then went and reviewed seven patients that were seen at this training facility. And in particular, this training facility was a rehabilitation center dedicated to active duty service members. And these patients had attended regular physical therapy sessions for low extremity rehabilitation for a variety of reasons. All had chronic quadriceps and all hamstring muscular weakness and were at least three months from their last surgical procedure. And their strength improvement was limited by their inability to successfully use traditional resistance training. To objectively monitor improvements in strength, the patients were tested with a Biodex isokinetic dynamometer. Now, what is a dynamometer? In this case here, a Biodex system. Think about it as a really big chair with lots of attachments and with these attachments, you can strap different body parts in and you can perform different actions. With respect to this paper here, think about it as a big seated leg extension, leg curl machine. You sit in and you strap your body in, your leg in, and then pivoting at your knee, you can perform leg extension and leg curl. And they monitored three different measurements to illustrate what kind of improvements, if any, these patients were able to see. They measured three different measurements. I'm just going to briefly talk about all three so you can have a rough idea what these all are. The first one is called peak torque. And this is the highest muscular force output at any moment during a repetition. And this can be determined with each rep 
for the entire set. And peak torque can also be evaluated specific to time. This indicates the muscle's maximum strength capability. And a really good way of thinking about this measurement, it's also equivalent to a one repetition maximum isotonic strength test. The second measurement is total work. And this is the total amount of work accomplished for the entire set. And this represents the muscle's capability to maintain torque throughout the whole test bout. And total work is most useful to determine rehabilitation of an injury. This value may be affected by low peak torque values or variations in the range of movement and should be evaluated as such. If a patient's overall torque production is low, the amount of work capability can be affected. If the range of movement is smaller on one side, the total work will be affected even if the peak torque is the same. Therefore, the setup of the tests are really important. And that's why these studies are done is because they do ensure all these components are looked after. And the third measurement is average power. This value is used to provide a true measure of work rate intensity defined as total work divided by time. And power represents how quickly a muscle can produce force. And this is an important value to evaluate as power development is important for injury prevention also. Going back to the general overview of what the patients did during these studies, all the individuals had their contralateral extremity measured for comparison. So that's contralateral, both sides. Some patients also had bilateral rehabilitation needs. That means that they had issues on both sides. All the patients had dynamometer measurements for the affected lower extremity on at least two occasions during their course of treatment. And we're using BFR therapy as part of their rehab routine for a minimum of two weeks or six treatments, that's three times a week. Initially, all exercises were performed without BFR to determine the individual's one repetition maximum. Then an appropriately sized cuff was selected so that it fitted around the patient's thigh as proximal to the groin as comfortable. The weight for each individual exercise started at no more than 20% of the patient's measured 1RM of the injured limb. And then the cuff was inflated to 110 millimeters of mercury for the duration of one exercise performance. And there were three exercises in particular. And the first one was knee extension. Then the second one was a leg press. And the third exercise was a reverse leg press. And each exercise was performed over four sets where each set was performed to failure with a 30 second rest between sets. All the sets for the knee extension were performed before moving to the leg press and then the reverse leg press. And the time to reach muscular failure was recorded for each of the four sets. When a patient was able to perform any one set for more than 120 seconds before failure, the weight for that exercise was increased by 10% to allow for progression of resistance. This is a really important point. A lot of the really good studies that I have reviewed and read I've noted that although they're starting at a low percentage of RM, so 20 to 30%, that they adjust the amount of external load accordingly over time. So if they are improving from session to session, they do have an adjustment. And this is probably a really good way of adjusting loading for those people who are injured. Because if you're doing a 1RM on an injured limb, it's probably actually not a true measurement of 1RM capacity because 
they are injured or they have some issue with being able to produce maximal force output. Therefore, it's indicative, but you do need to adjust the loadings. And, and I've also alluded to in athletic populations, I think there needs to be a slight adjustment to the 20 to 30%. It's more that upper percentage of RM, but that's another conversation for another time. Now back to the paper, after two weeks, that's the six treatment sessions of BFR training, the patient's involved extremities were again measured on the Biodex dynamometer, and these were compared with previous values. Now what I'm gonna do is go through each case presentation and talk about the injury that they have and what kind of changes that they were able to get within these six sessions of BFR. The first case presentation was a 37-year-old man who sustained a right ankle inversion injury. This was in 2005. He did not have an associated fracture with injury. However, he did have persistent ankle instability following multiple soft tissue surgical procedures in the last in 2010. So this was over a five-year period. This gentleman was referred to this rehabilitation center after two years of rehabilitation, which failed to return him to a satisfactory level of function. But before I get into the results, they actually tested on the dynamometer at two different speeds. One is at 90 degrees per second, and the other one is at 300 degrees per second. If you're moving at 90 degrees per second, you're moving a lot slower versus if you're the, the ability to perform an action at 300 degrees per second. You're still moving within the same range of movement. You're locked into that position in the machine, but one is a lot slower and a lot harder, and the other one feels a lot lighter. That's the 300 degrees per second, and is a lot quicker as a result. And therefore, in these results, I'm gonna talk about two different speeds. If we look back to the case presentation of the 37-year-old man who had the ankle inversion injury, the initial Bidex testing demonstrated a 36% deficit in knee flexion torque in the right lower extremity as compared to the left side, which was the good side, at 90 degrees per second. And his weakness was more significant for knee flexion than knee extension. After the two weeks of the BFR training, the patient showed a 53% increase in peak torque and a 69% increase in both power and work performed on the right lower extremity for flexion. So once again, all these patients did exactly the same training program. The three exercises, the four sets to failure. There was no difference in what was prescribed and they were all given the same pressure at 110 millimeters of mercury. Case presentation number two, and this was a 48-year-old man who was in a motorcycle accident in 2009 and sustained a left tibia plateau fracture and an ipsilateral tibia plafond fracture. A tibial plateau fracture is a break of the upper part of the tibia or the shin bone that involves the knee joint. And a tibial plafond fracture is a fracture of the distal end of the tibia or the end of the tibia around where the ankle joint is. In other words, he had fractures at both ends of his tibia or his shin bone. And due to the severity of his injuries, he was initially placed in a knee and ankle spanning external fixator and subsequently treated with definitive internal fixation. 
Since that time, he had continued to have weakness and limited function of his left lower extremity. And due to persistent knee pain, he was considering total knee replacement surgery. However, he first needed to increase his quadricep strength and function. He was referred for BFR training four years after his last surgery. Initial Biodex testing demonstrated a more significant deficit in knee extension with a 52% deficit in peak torque, a 61% deficit in average power, and a 57% deficit in knee extension total work in the left lower extremity compared with the contralateral right side, with the largest deficit shown in extension at the slower speeds of 90 degrees per second. After two weeks of BFR therapy, he had a 42% increase in power and a 27% increase in both peak torque and total work at this same speed of 90 degrees per second. Case presentation number three was a 24-year-old man who sustained major left lower extremity trauma in 2011, resulting in tibia plafond, fibula, and calcaneus fractures. Really, that's all around the ankle, that's the distal end of the tibia, and the heel bone, that's the calcaneus. He subsequently underwent multiple surgical interventions for management of his injuries, and most recently had a right knee arthroscopy to include a microfracture. He was referred for BFR training for his right lower extremity six months after his most recent surgery. The patient had an initial bilateral biodex test performed. However, the ability to compare strength to the contralateral limb was limited because of the trauma sustained to his left lower extremity two years earlier. He had a 43% deficit in peak torque, 56% deficit in average power, and a 58% deficit in total work, all with knee extension at the 90 degrees per second. He also demonstrated deficiencies at the faster 300 degrees per second only in total work. After two weeks of training on the right lower extremity, the patient improvements were greater in extension at 90 degrees per second, with peak torque increasing 63%, average power 8% and total work 77%. The fourth case presentation is a 26-year-old man who in 2009 sustained a gunshot wound to the right femur. He underwent open reduction and internal fixation, but subsequently developed osteomyelitis, which is infection of the bone. After a prolonged course of treatment, including removal of all the hardware, multiple debridements, and both local and systemic antibiotics, his fracture healed following revision fixation in 2011. To treat an acquired quadriceps contracture, he had a soft tissue release approximately one year later, of which a quadriceps contracture results from fibrous adhesions between the quadriceps muscle and the distal femur. And as a result, some people who have a contracture of a quadriceps muscle can produce a stiff extended knee wherein the muscle fails to elongate enough to allow for flexion. After he had this soft tissue release for the quadriceps contracture, he was referred to BFR training one year after his last surgery. If we look at some results, his knee extension weakness was substantial with a deficit in peak torque of 67% and 54% at both speeds. Average power showed a 76% and 73% deficit in knee extension. And total work showed deficits of around 
after two weeks of BFR training, if we look at improvements in the two different speeds of testing, he actually showed improvements in peak torque, average power, and total work. In particular, he had greater improvements at the fastest speed of 300 degrees per second of around 40 to 50%. And at slower 90 degrees per second, he had improvements of around 13 to 26% for the three different variables. The fifth case presentation is a 29-year-old man who in 2010 sustained left open tibia and fibular fractures from an improvised explosive device blast injury. He underwent limb salvage treatment for approximately two years, including placement of a rigid external fixator and bone transport for significant bone loss. He was referred for BFR training nine months after his last surgery. If you look at his initial Biodex testing, it showed deficits of 40 to 50% for all the values at 90 degrees per second. And after the two weeks of BFR therapy, he improved peak torque by 26%, power by 33%, and total work by 25% at the same extension speed. And also showed similar improvements in knee extension at the fast at 300 degrees per second as well. In the paper, there's actually two more case presentations and the themes are very similar. All these injuries, when you actually sit back and read them, are quite extreme. Therefore, the deficits in strength, as we could imagine, would be quite extreme. And we've seen in only two weeks, that's six sessions, quite remarkable improvements in different measures of strength, which I think is absolutely incredible. Of note within these case studies, some patients improve their peak torque in knee flexion more than knee extension, with the improvement in knee extension being less consistent. All patients had improvements in their average power, which was the most consistent strength gain demonstrated for all measurements. And total work was also improved in all cases. And really, when you think about that, it's nice to have an improvement in our 1RM strength measures. But it's also really important, or it's probably more valuable to have the ability to have a better work capacity of the muscles because these injuries are quite significant and they're probably not concerned about getting back to doing a big one RM in the gym or running a marathon, but rather their initial step from where they are is that they've had all this surgery, had all these issues. They want to get back to some level of normal function. Therefore, being able to have the muscle to be able to work over a greater period of time has greater value or has great value in an outcome for any kind of rehab program. Another really good thing to note here is that no patients in this series experienced any complications associated with BFR training and all the patients were able to complete the two weeks of training. This once again highlights the positive addition of BFR to, to anyone really who are unable to improve strength levels or improve strength and function after an injury. And, and I've definitely noted that a lot of people who have typically suffered just with pain in particular with joints from an injury or just from age, that the ability to be able to decrease pain in these areas gives them a greater level of function 
and they can actually start to feel that activation in the muscle, that uh, the feeling of fullness, the feeling of support of the muscle when they're then performing an action. And so for some people, this can last up to 24 hours after their initial session. And it's not a short fix. And what's important to know here is, is that with the clients that I've definitely worked with is that the ability to have this as a continual training tool for longer periods of time, because it's good to do this for two weeks and have a positive response. But in terms of something that's an extreme injury, it's probably become a lifestyle change is that you need to be able to do this continually three times a week, perhaps for the rest of your life. But if that's going to give you an improved function, I think that's pretty much a no-brainer. And then there's lots of great research in the aging population just for the benefits of exercise and function in general. And therefore, if you do have some kind of long-term associated injury, this has to become part of your lifestyle. And as you noted here is, is that it was just three exercises. And a lot of the papers that I have reviewed, the sessions are really short. And that's the advantage of BFR is that you don't need a lot of load. You can do this in the comfort of your own home. And most sessions can be done within 10, 15 minutes at the most, which is quite incredible that you can get some kind of major benefit by doing not too much. You don't have to go to a gym. So definitely a great paper from my end to highlight some very extreme cases of injuries that has occurred so long ago and they've had dysfunction for so many years. And within two weeks, they've been able to improve function and strength. What would have been really cool is to understand pain levels. But from the point of this study, I think this is absolutely fantastic. And hopefully if someone's listening to this and you know, if you have gone through this injury or if you actually know someone who's been in an accident has had a major injury, whether it be their lower body or even their upper body, that potentially BFR is the solution that could really unlock the key for them. That is my challenge for you. If you do know anyone who has got a similar injury or has been suffering from a long-term injury and hasn't quite got back to full function and they've been trying different modalities, link them up with this podcast, link them up with me through BFR.co and let's get talking about how potentially they could be using BFR to their benefit. That's where we're going to leave today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And once again, just a quick reminder to, if you are looking to get into blood flow restriction training, to visit us at the BFR.co where there's lots of information, lots of free resources. And also if you do want to get into blood flow restriction, you can purchase your cuffs there as well. Thanks for listening. See you in a couple of weeks and remember to keep the pump.